uh, I'm so goofy that, uh, always remind a girl to don't forget your whole maxi pads. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fool. I am a big goofball, though. I'm so goofy that when, uh, you tell me about your trauma, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, it'd be like that, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it is weird being a vessel for people, you know? That's the thing. And I think I've always gravitated to people. <clears throat> oh my God, my throat. <laughs> Not exactly the throat goat you're looking for, even though my throat's starting to sound like an actual goat. Not that as a guy you want to be the throat goat, you know. You want to be the tongue goat, but not the throat goat, you know. Like a cow's tongue. Because, boy, I eat a lot of meat. Damn it, I did not help the throat goat conversation there. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, I'm a fucking vegetarian, but I ain't fucking scared of him. Uh, 3.03 p.m. Eastern. It's actually not, it's 1.55, but, you know. Make it work. Um, but yeah, um, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? Nah, you know, uh, it's always when you're someone that people feel comfortable with, you know, like you're a, I don't know, I I don't like, it kind of sounds like yourself, like bumping yourself up, but you know, look, I have people that come to me in my life and say, hey, you know, you inspired me. And that's like a really great feeling. You're inspirational. You're aspirational. You, you're very like I see you, and it motivates me. You know, typically I don't know that could be go two ways. You can see someone that's really like down themselves, like man, I never want to feel like that. But then you see someone who's like, man, I wish I could be like that. And you're on that end. The worst thing is someone saying. I don't feel anything with you or about you. Now, that's a pretty tough one to deal with. But as a young man in this world, we have all heard that. Yep. Good times. Um, <laughs> everybody want to sing good times. Um, it was, whew, ironically, the show Good Times is about highlighting, finding the good times, regardless of how ungood your situation can be and it really highlights the fact that being happy or having a good time in your life is really more about the environment you set for your family or for your people you know in the sense of your the way you set up your home to make it loving caring inviting that's what creates a good home environment not having all the things in place but there's no love in the home. A good time is really about having the right love in the home. Sorry to go off on a veer there. But I guess it ties back into... um. I kind of understand now. Because, you know, I've been with... You know, in my life, I've been fortunate to be around people that have friends and stuff that... You know, they, they, they feel a lot of... They are people... That people go to for their time, right? Whether that's for hanging out or financially and stuff like that. 
and it can be very draining. And I think the worst one to deal with is when people rely on you to make their day per se. It sounds great, like you're someone like everyone wants to come up to like, hey, you know, hey, you know, it's like you know that their initial impression for their day or how they're gonna feel about the rest of the day is relying on in a way if you're nice to them or you know, you're in the right state of mind, gentle, you know, all that stuff. And it almost puts you in this place where you can't be seen having any bad moments, any stresses. any You can't really afford to have a bad day because you set the precedent for your whole area, per se. Or you set the precedent for you when you're in charge of things, right? Or it's like if you're the man of the house or you're, you know... You're in charge of making the home comforting. That's a big pressure. Like, literally, the direction is based off the direction of how the whole day and night's going to go. If someone, if your husband or your wife comes home and there's trash or it just feels stressed, they come in, you're in an agitated move, dishes aren't done, you know, whatever. Maybe I say that as I'm looking at the dishes. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that shows you the production level here. If you can see your dishes from your recording studio, uh, you should probably get them dishes done because your priorities are probably out of order, buddy. Um, <laughs> nah, but you know, there is this weird pressure of the stress of like, you are the bearing of emotion. You are the bearing of how people feel about their day. And it's a great, you know, it's, what's the saying? Like, with great, um, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Um, and it's a great feeling to have people come to you, look at you, and be like, you know, man, like, I, I just want to be more like you, you know. And, you know, towards your attitude, your approach, your relentlessness, you're never complaining you're always the same consistent person we can rely on every day that's a great feeling but also with that it's like there's very little margin that you can actually be human and be able to express that sometimes there's a lot of internal shit that's going on and that feeling of it's a great feeling and it makes you stronger because you're much more aware of how you present yourself how you care about things but at the same time, it is it can be very draining having, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, like in a way um, where people rely on your time and emotion and your feeling, it can be very draining as a person. And when you're that person that everyone says hey to or all that stuff, people like, you, you don't want to be in the opposite spectrum, the feeling of no one notices you, right? But then at the same time, when you're on the other end where everyone is like, you know, hey man, this, that, like, is like, you almost just like can't focus on like, it's like you have to appease, you feel this appeasing, this accommodating type of thing. And it's a great I would always choose this alternative because I've been the other alternative where it's like everyone just kind of looks past you. You're 
kind of nothing. I wouldn't say nothing, but you're just like, you just kind of blend in. People don't really, like, you don't make people take a second look about what you're doing. And um, it's a great feeling, you know, but it can also be very draining, personally. It Like, I feel much more tired at the end of the day. I feel very, uh, I feel like I have to manufacture a wind-down time. Like, I'm someone that I can fucking just keep going all day, do X, Y, and Z, and I only slow down when I actually just, like, am done with my stuff, and I can lay down, but it's like, I have to manufacture that isolation time to reset myself more than ever, and there is something to, like, if, and I feel like, for example, like, someone who's a social worker, or someone that, whose job is to deal with people all day, every day and your job is just to appease and accommodate like that shit would be out of this world draining and um shout out to the social work you know shout out to people that are actually doing real meaningful work out there changing bettering lives trying to make you know impact you know some of us have jobs where we get paid okay it's weird how, I'll be honest, like, it's weird that I see a lot of jobs out here that get paid less than I do, but they're doing way more meaningful work. And I'm not saying what I do is meaningless, but in terms of impact on the world, like, I don't know, I, in terms of a personal satisfaction standpoint, what they do is a lot more meaningful, but they get paid less. It just goes to show that money isn't all about, quote, unquote, your value. It's not all about the actual impact you make. It's really just just kind of how things are set up in a way. Um, but yeah, I guess the whole point of that opening is, um, yeah, you know. One way to make sure that you're appeasing everyone's uh, day and accommodating and to rewire yourself when you can feel kind of overwhelmed or when you feel like, you're kind of, uh, people are draining the living shit out of you. It's magic mind. Um, <laughs> see that smooth transition? That's how we do sponsors around here. Magic mind, guys. You see, for the video audience, it's an empty bottle. You know why it's empty? Because I dumped that shit in my mouth. Because I am the throat goat of magic mind. Um, it's got great matcha. It's got great matcha tea, ashkawanda. Um, <laughs> I honestly, like, I've said it that so many times. I actually can't think of the real way, ashkawanda. Ashkawanda. Um, it's got great mushroom properties. Look, you can click the link under my episode description. I'll have it everything in there. My discount code. Um, you get 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days. Or 20% off a lifetime if you use this code. But guys, uh, my sponsorship time with this sponsor is running out. You know, our um, our deal is about to end up. It's about to follow up. You know, it's about to expire. I think that's right. Our deal is about to expire very soon. But if you get it while the iron's hot, you know, Iron Chef. Because um, <laughs> I am. Cutting it up right now. 
But if you get the code, save the code, use the code before it goes up, you get 20% off every, for a lifetime of whenever you want to use the code for something on Magic Mind. Add the link in description. Um, my code is OffenBeat20, O-F-F-N-B-E-A-T-20. The, my discount code is O-F-F-N-B-E-A-T-20. I'll have everything below in the description. You guys know the drill. Support the show. It's a great product. Great productivity shot. Check it. Look, go to the website. Check out their history. Check their ingredients. See what it's all about. And, you know, look at some options for yourself. See if you want to get some. I'll recommend it. I've been drinking. You know, look, I'm fortunate to be a partner. So I get the products. I got to try out before I start promoting it. Um, I basically drink it every day for the past, what, two, three weeks now. And it does. You know, I have noticed a subtle difference over time. Um, it's one of those things you got to take regularly. You could take it with caffeine. You could take it with your morning coffee. You could take it with whatever supplement you take. You don't even have to stop drinking other stuff. But when you start drinking this regularly you'll realize you don't really need as much as the other caffeinated thing that is always my selling point for real is i don't drink as much coffee i don't drink almost any energy drinks except the exceptional once in a while it fills a lot of you know it fills a lot of holes for you um <laughs> oh give you know put her mind in a magical daze because when you fill a couple holes in her, oh, she'll be dazed and confused. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. But yeah, check out the code, support the show. Now back to the episode. And now we are back in action. Looney Tunes. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Welcome to episode 264 of the Offbeat Podcast with Clint Nelson. Damn, I am wired tight bomb barb wired huh? but i'm not a barbs <laughs> never didn't see the movie um but uh Nicki minaj Woo-hoo. still haven't heard the album it's weird like album drops don't mean anything it's like Nicki minaj drop albums like yeah i'll get around to it it's cool like five years ago everyone's listening to that shit on the spot nowadays it's like there's no urgency with any of this stuff it's too like it's gonna be available um but yeah, uh, episode 264 of the Offbeat Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most important, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> don't forget to suck some titties. Yeah, recording this on February 16th, 2024. Yep, two days after Valentine's. You're probably wondering, Clint, what did you and the lady do for Valentine's? I say, well, we're non-traditional, so we celebrate just on our off days, which did not happen to fall on Valentine's. So, um, what she doesn't, what she doesn't know, which look, this episode will be out, so I'll spill the beans. I took her the. T- I'm, I'm speaking like it's already happened. I'm a manifestation type of guy, so I'm gonna give you guys. How to lay out the perfect Valentine's date, right? Um, make money on Valentine's so you can actually afford to take, you know, the ladies out to a meaningful thing. See, here's my whole plan. I'm spilling the beans, right? 
First, uh, I started off the morning by giving her a handwritten card and some nice fake flowers. But, you know, if you pay 20 bucks or more for flowers, I don't give a fuck if it's fake or not. The 20 bucks is an investment. All right. So, ladies, shove it up your ass and like the flowers. All right. I don't know. And then, you know, I snuck a couple nice pieces of some like $7 chocolate. I'm not paying 20 bucks for chocolate, but I'll give you some Ferrero Rocher or Lint, L-I-N-D-T, just to start the day. So, you know, you comfort it up. It's like bread when you go to a restaurant. It's to, you know, open your palate. It's to prepare your appetite for the main meal. So then at around 12 or 1 p.m., because, you know, I don't like going to places when it's the most busiest, and I have a whole day planned. So, at 12, 1 p.m., we're going to go to the Top Golf. Yep, swinging. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of concerned. I don't know if she could really swing a club. Well, <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but we're going to go Top Golf. We went to Top Golf, cold and cold. Had a, uh, you know, spent a couple hours there, like, oh my God. It's all about the great experience. This is the greatest Valentine's ever. You know, spent about 180 bucks out of my pocket after getting food and drinks there and, you know, whatever the fuck else you do at Top Golf. Um, I'd never been either, so it'll be a first for me. Um, and then we're going to go have a nice lunch somewhere, you know. Nothing crazy, probably just some moderate. You know, I've actually decided what to do for lunch, but it's a pretty expensive day, so got the budget somewhere. And then after we have a nice lunch, I'm going to take her to go see a movie. What that movie is yet, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but cap the night off. It'll be a, it is and will be a great Valentine. So that was my Valentine's. What did you do for your lady's Valentine's, you know? Does your lady even deserve a Valentine's? They probably don't deserve half of what I do for my lady, you know. But, you know what? Sometimes we give unwarranted benefits and treatment that we shouldn't. But you know what? This is a big thing for me, eh? Um, I don't do this often. I We really don't go out much. I'm a penny pincher. Not really. But, you know. I'm a, uh, I just don't, you know, that's the thing, like, this is a, it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of girls that are spoiled to this type of thing, like, random guys do this for them every week, or every other week, like, oh, I'm bored this weekend, then they convince, text some guy, make them feel special, and then like, hey, you know, actually, would you like to go to Top Golf? Oh my god. And she's like, oh my god. I've never been, even though she's been there four times in the past, like, three months. Um, <laughs> you know, some people are used to a lifestyle, you know. I'm not. So, you know, you gotta sometimes spend a little money to say fuck your future savings, you know. It is what it is, you know. But, yeah, it'll be and is a great time. It's gonna be the greatest Valentine's she's ever had. And that's why I'll continue telling myself because I don't give a fuck if it is or not. Not, I mean, obviously. But, you know, you, 
pretty sure there's some guy that's probably like, you know, taking her to like some fake Paris and shit like that. But you know what? What are you going to do? You know, he may have took you to Paris, but once this podcast hits the big stage, I'll be doing live shows in Paris, baby. So you know what? Eat your pasta. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I hope people don't think I actually talk to ladies like this. I really don't. Until they do something. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Valentine's, you know. I do have my views on Valentine's. I don't know if this is the right place to really uh, articulate it. But look, man. Sometimes you gotta swallow the bullet. And don't go to a Chiefs parade. Um, <laughs> which is actually a pretty unfortunate situation. You know, I remember. I was like. I went to the break room at work. I think it was, what, Wednesday when it happened? Whenever they had the parade, I go over, it's like 6, it's probably like 7, 8 o'clock, and all I see on ESPN is some serious report. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what the fuck happened now? It's like, oh, another steroids investigation. Which, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo got suspended two games for performance-enhancing drugs. Well, it's always the, when they get caught, is when they're having like the worst years of their career. But what people don't realize is typically people take this stuff when they're injured a lot to recover faster. And he's obviously had a lot of injury problems. So, you know, um, it's just always, it always falls where people make their stupid comments like, oh, this is when you take it? Oh, if that's what it looks like. It's like, it's for injury recovery 95% of the time. Probably more likely the reason for a quarterback to take performance enhancing quote-unquote steroids in the way you would think it would be pretty useless it's probably more recovery so he can actually move his shoulder actually move his feet his ankles and shit more than likely but anyways um shit what the fuck? oh yeah so i went to and i like on the tv i'm like this is why we in america we just can't have nice things and honestly like it does make like i don't know I've never been to like one of those like Super Bowl parades because we don't really celebrate. We don't really have many uh, championships here in Atlanta other than the Braves. Twice in the past 30 years. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it it really is one of those things where those parades are starting to are gonna start becoming a target. Like I don't know how you can really. When it, when it comes to these parades or marathons, these big group gatherings we get in these big cities downtown for events. Like, honestly, every time these events happen, these things can easily happen. You can't prevent all this stuff from happening. You can have all the security. You have all that. All it takes is someone just, psh, boom, boom, you know? And it really makes it like... It's stuff like that. You know, I was joking earlier, like, why I don't go out a lot and do much. Like, one, I'm too busy, you know, doing this, work, sleeping, you know, keeping the fitness to an admirable level for my sanity. But it's really stuff like this. It's like, why do I want to go out and have to deal with that? Not just like, obviously, that's an extreme situation, but just going out and having to deal with what someone can't with someone's lack of self-control with someone's anger because apparently there was a dispute and it caused them to shoot 22 people 
you know, um, that's what they say. Like, you shoot 22 people, it's not because of an individual dispute with someone. Let's just, can we just get that out of the way? Um, but imagine taking your kid, your family, thinking like, hey, you know, our favorite team, or our team in the city we live in just won a Super Bowl, you know, to take you, have a great day. Shit. It's like, I don't have to do anything. Just go downtown. They're going to have all these festivities. You get to see Travis Kelsey, Mahomes. You get to see this whole parade. The work, I don't have to do nothing. I just show up, pay out of the ass, call it a day, right? And you have to worry about someone shooting your kid or some shit. It's like, it's like, man, like, we can't, like, do simple things anymore. You know, not to go, not to vent about shit, but it's like, seeing that shit, like, and honestly, we're so numb to these things now. It's just things on TV. It's just words we see. And we're like, damn. And I, I hate to admit that I just like shook my head and just kept going. But reality is, is like, I wasn't the most surprised by it. I think we are so accustomed. We are so numb. We have become conditioned to just like, this is America. Um, <laughs> but no, this is just kind of normal. Like, we just gloss over the facts of, you know, I think the Russia-Ukraine thing of just like, yep, we're going to bomb this whole, like, 10,000 square feet area just because we can, uh, then fight back, and then, you know, we just drop air bombs in Iraq, Iran, and all these different countries and stuff like that, like... It's one of those things we're just so used to. Yep, we just wiped out like, you know, five blocks of a pretty big city. People may have been walking their dog. It may have been a school there. It's just to show people that we can to prove power and stuff. And I'm not anti any of this stuff. I'm just saying when you see all this stuff regularly, then we see this. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, honestly, it's like the news and... Uh, kind of government drum. They just want us to kind of be numb to life because the more numb we are to life, the more they can sell things to push to kill people. And we're just like, whatever. Because we truly valued every life on this earth, not to get all cheesy and corny here. A lot of prescription meds wouldn't be pushed with the side effects of fucking someone's life up eventually, anyways, to fix a temporary situation problem. Um, we would kind of just, we we wouldn't be, we'd be a lot more mindful of these things. People wouldn't, people's first instinct to when someone pisses them off is to like harm them, you know. But we are conditioned to not really care too much about that stuff anymore. So that's just, these things, they are unfortunate, they're sad, but at the same time, only thing you could do is just not put yourself in these situations and not go do shit. So people are like, oh, you're going to go your whole life without doing that? It's like, no, but it's stuff like that. It doesn't really make it where like I want to go just do X, Y, and Z when it's like I don't even, I got to worry about some dumb shit like this. I have to worry about unwell, sick people that are just looking out to fuck with your life type of shit, you know? It's stuff like that that just kind of makes like, you know what, I'm good. I don't need this in my life. And I think the older you get, you're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm good, man. Like, all this extra shit, 
all this like traveling, all this like we got to go to every event that's popping, you know, it's just you kind of get to a point in your life where you're like, I don't, it's not, it's not worth the trade off of spending half of my day, my whole day in exchange when your time is very valuable to just do what? Stand there? You know, I don't know, you know. I just don't know what to what to do with it. So, yeah. Anyways, moving on to the next topic. So, uh, I I will say this, man. I've been on a Gordon Ramsay like binge. You know, first of all, he has so many shows. This dude has just, this dude just been on TV for like 15 straight years with like no fucking breaks, man. This dude is all gas, no breaks. He's like, you need me to do a hotel, you need me to criticize your hotel food? By all means. All right. You need me to come to your kitchen, tell you your food shit, your service shit, your ownership shit? By all means, I'll do it. You want me to have a Hell's Kitchen where I'm training these chefs to run a service and they're, most of them are at least pretty good. But they're not that good, you know, when they're in my kitchen, you know. This dude is just like, and his shows are so addictive. It's the same format. Like, I mean, it's like, the thing about, all these shows are now on YouTube. You just watch the full episodes. They have a YouTube channel. This dude's just making bank left and right. And it's so weird because... I remember there was a time like a few years ago, I went on a similar binge, right? And I was like, all right, you know, sometimes like I'm going way too deep into this. Like I enjoy the show, but watching the show all the time, it's not doing anything productive for me. And for some reason, man, I'm back in it again. The last week, week and a half, I'm literally watching full 40 minute episodes on YouTube. I am cranking up their algorithm right now. And all it keeps recommending me is, this kitchen, oh, oh, they serve grilled lettuce, you know, um, the kitchen nightmare shit, that, that's the shit is like, man, these people are like, it's the same, if it's the same format, right, first, he comes, he comes, tries their food, says like, it's stone cold, it's stone cold, oh, just he spits out like every other dish, he's like, it's bland. It's bland. It's so cold. It's just nothing here. You know? It's undercooked. It's rancid. You know? It's the same shit. And yet, I know exactly what's coming. He raised the food. The chef's like, our food's fucking great. That's not the problem here. He goes back there. And he's like, no, you are the fucking problem. And realize the ownership. Uh, they have no grasp of their building. The servers are always nice. Uh, there's simply poor communication. There's no accountability. Someone gets mad. He comes the next day, observes them, watch the service they normally do. Half their shit's either prepackaged or microwaved, uh, or it's bland. There's no anything in it. Everything's either bland, burnt, or just takes too long to get out there. Ego with the chef, and then he takes over. 
tells them everything they do right. They have their pivotal moment. You either need to change or I'm leaving. He comes in the next day. Helps with some ideas. Dumbs down their menu. Works with the chefs. Work with the owners to better up the place. What they need to do better. Then redesigns the whole restaurant. Blah, blah, blah. Then they have a service of with the new look, everything. Everything's starting good for the first, like, you know, 30 minutes. Then they hit a bump in the road when their old habits come into play. Poor communication. Food not being turned out. Uh, just things not going well. And then they pick it back up. And then things end well. And then he's like, you know what? All this stuff. It's the same show every fucking time. And I know exactly how it's going. And I can't stop fucking watching it. These TV experts know exactly what the fuck they're doing. I gotta say, man. But yeah, he's an enticing personality because it's more than cooking with him. It's you. I think I think I'll tell you why I think like because I've thought about it, like Pascal. Like, why do I keep you know ever just thought, why do I keep watching this? Why do I keep watching this person? Why do I keep watching this guy? Why do I keep watching this show that I know exactly the format? Like it's predictable, but it's still entertaining. And I think the thing it all comes back to is the guy is passionate and loves, loves it. And he gives a fuck about it, which is why he's getting angry about the lack of attention, the lack of effort, the, the fact that people would serve this and charge money and this is the shit they're getting. Like that's someone that actually cares about the customer. You know, and it bothers him when he's watching these people just say, ah, we don't give a fuck. It's like, what do you mean you don't give a fuck? This is your business. This is your livelihood. You're $400,000 in debt. What do you mean you don't give a fuck if this shrimp has has been stored for three days and it tastes like it's been frozen, you know? Those little, the fact that he can taste something, his experience and his expertise, he can taste something even if it's cooked, even if it's seasoned, be like, oh, this thing's been frozen for at least a week and it's been thawed out recently because he could taste how rubbery it is. You know, that attention to detail, when you could tell, like, something's like, like, when was this chicken cooked? And they'll be like, oh, it's made fresh. She's like, oh, really? And then they convert, like, yeah, it tastes, and they'll tell the camera as they're finding out there, and it's like, this thing's at least been stored for like four or five days. This thing, this chicken was cooked at least three or four days ago. And they come back. Oh, yeah, actually, they cooked it about like Tuesday and it's Friday. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can tell. Like that. And it's like watching someone love and give a shit about what they do is is what makes him, I think, the most gravitate. Obviously, he's entertaining. He's very imbustrous. Like he fucking... Like, he gets very, he, people say, I actually don't think he has anger issues. I think one, I think a little of it's played up for TV, obviously, but I think he actually is genuinely like that disgusted when some of this shit happens. Like, why am I here to save your shit when you don't even care enough to save it? Like, this is your business. And a lot of people use this show or use him as an opportunity to free marketing to, get a free renovation of their restaurant. He's like, 
I mean, I could do all this shit the second I leave after 10 days. If you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing, it doesn't really fucking matter. And I think that's why it's like, I think because I watched, they said like 80% of these restaurants end up closing eventually ever since he stopped. It's like, well, it would have been 100% if he didn't. So 80% when restaurants essentially like, I think it's like 90% of them fell within a few years, five years anyways. Having 80% fell after leaves is actually not a, is actually pretty decent, right? And it just goes to show that it's like he he can change everything, save it. It's the people involved with it day by day that are going to keep it alive or not. They either take what he's taking or it, it does, you know. Um, but I think the appeal and the gravitational pull to Gordon is the simple fact that you're watching someone that is unquestionably one of the best to ever do it, has the cachet, has the stripes, and you can't really, and he's being very specific in his criticism He's not just saying some shit just to say it. He's It's a combination of the cachet. It's a combination of his passion for it too. I think the thing we gravitate to is when people are not only good at what they do, but they are passionate and so care about what they do. Like it's not even his restaurant. It's not his food. He's not even paying for it. And he hates the fact that people... that. He, they're just serve, and he's just observing. He's like, "We're gonna serve it." Like you, forget the fact that it's. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's cooked through. Like the fact that you're just gonna give this bland ass bullshit to people that was frozen microwave. Like you prepped this thing three days ago, microwave it, and then charge eighteen bucks for it. Like fuck you. Like that's some real like shit to it, you know. And he speak, you know, you would think someone at his level, he would have like this elitist taste to it, his elitist feel to it. Like, oh, like, like he actually, it actually bothers him when someone tries to sell him a $20 burger and it's just some basic ass burger. That's fine, but not great. He's like, if I'm paying 20 bucks for a burger, it better be exceptional. Like there better be some exceptional qualities about it that make it worth 20 bucks. He's speaking for the average, and he really, when he said, is speaking for people who are coming to these restaurants. People that come into his restaurants, you know, like his main one in France or whatever. Like, yeah, they're going to have a different, like, look, you got to be able to afford this shit. So there's a different type of, like, okay, if we tr- because you're getting what you're paying for. If I'm just coming to like a regular American restaurant or a diner and you're going to charge me 22 bucks for a basic ass steak and shake burger, like, fuck you. Like, you got to know your audience and time and place. And I think like watching him is like, he's saying the internal voices of people that go to restaurant, but we don't have the cachet for these asshole people like, oh, you just don't understand costs and shit. And then he's like, no, like no one's going to buy your shit if it's. Over if it's overpriced for what they get, you know, so I don't know. I've been just down this 
YouTube with the YouTube algorithm, man, it's a scary place to be in because it's like, I didn't, I, I, it's not like I was thinking about, man, when I get home, I want to watch, I can't wait to watch. Like, it's just like, oh, it's there. Okay. Watch this. Two hours later, you're like, oh, fuck me. I was supposed to, you know, do laundry, but here I am watching. The shrimp is rancid. Um, (laughs) oh, bloody hell. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah. Shout out to the GR. And, you know, also I watched, um, he did a interview on this podcast, I think, called High Performance. And it was like a legitimate, like, real stripped down, like, genuine interview about his upbringing and stuff like that. It was like the real version of him. And it was honestly one of the best podcast interviews I've ever listened to and he doesn't really do that stuff that often that's why I was surprised like oh shit he did and to hear him talk with such validity about um what drives him his expectation his standards and you know how he actually got into cooking I didn't know it was because he had an injury in football um he used to be like really good at soccer potentially was gonna go pro but he got hurt you know the whole like oh I got hurt thing and he just switched that passion to cooking and like at 19 was already in like the greatest one of the greatest chef kitchens working with Marco Pierre White see look you listen to and I'm saying you're talking about chefs and cooking and I think that's the fact it's like you know what I think it is? I'll tell you why I think. Because I'm on this path to excellence, as corny as that sounds. I'm on this path to just excellence. And to watch how it looks like in every field. I think it's important to watch all these different fields of people, their path to excellence. What made them excellent? You know, what makes them? That attention, the drive. Because... Between all fields, there's similar qualities that are required to succeed and be great at them. And I think watching him when he was younger, you watch like old clips of videos of whatever, of him in these kitchens to when he had his own, the progression of that. I'm just like obsessed with watching like how that looks like. And it's... Oh, okay. Like, I'm attracted, as we're saying, I'm attracted to this man. I'm attracted to what, like, what makes him him and how to uphold that standard even when you've reached such levels of success that you still have that same feeling and anger and passion of when things are not being done right. Holding yourself to that same standard to win. You had no choice but to hold yourself to the standard. So, I don't know, you know. It's um one of those things where watching that interview. Watching um, when he first started out, his progression and all that stuff. Like, it's amazing, man. And it's something that I aspire to, like, be... That version, but in my fields and stuff like that. And that path to want it, you cannot replace. So, yeah.
He, whoever thought that actually cooking could be entertainment? Like, really? I think he, like, obviously there was other people. Um, Anthony Bourdain doing the traveling thing. and But he's really the first one to make cooking, being a chef, entertaining. Like, think about it, like. In terms of, like, I guess crossing over to America, making a global, like, there was probably, like, some chefs that, oh, we run this two-star Michelin, and people know about it, and they do some interviews here and there and talk about it. But in terms of entertainment, uh, quality, actually having the cachet to back up the entertainment part, I think Gordon Ramsay is probably the most entertaining chef of all time, and one of the best to ever do it, but, you know. Any jizzaboo? Oh, baby. Oh, my God. That's some. Sorry. Doing an R. Kelly run. Um, <laughs> so, apparently, Diddy um, is hiring Giselle Maxwell's attorney to fight his case of R-A-P-E-I-N-G I think it was a 15 year old or something like that you know what let me get my facts right you know hold on let me let me actually look at that. this is a pretty significant accusation I mean we all know about the PD stuff but you know get Do do just give me just a second. Hiring I typed in P Diddy and for some reason it said P sissy. Um <laughs> Gimme just a second. God damn it. Well, basically, he's hiring Giselle Maxwell's. You know, as I type in P. Diddy, it's weird, even with all these accusations, he's Jimmy Kimmel Live. They did interview with him three months ago talking about psychedelic toad venom. Just ignoring all this other shit. But they'll be the same ones on the front lines talking about protecting women and all this shit. And... How wrong Hollywood is and all this stuff. But basically he hired Giselle Maxwell's attorney to get him out of these new pretty significant stuff. And it's like, you know what? When you start having the resort to hiring Giselle Maxwell's attorney, you're basically kind of admitting that there's a lot of truth to this stuff. Because I don't think with the Giselle Maxwell thing... it. The Epstein stuff, it's not, they're not defending the fact that stuff never happened. They're just like, it wasn't that bad, you know. They're trying to find loopholes to make the sentence less, you know. Because that's what their job is to do, is to help their client even when they know they're guilty. And with the Diddy thing, he's he's not hiring this attorney like, I need the best attorney because all these things are false. It's really like, damn, I'm going to pay you a lot of money to get me out of this one. And they're going to be like, oh, I couldn't even get them out of that other one. So, um, I'll, 
minimize how much you get booty played in prison, you booty bandit. Um, <laughs> but um, when you start having to resort to get Giselle Maxwell's lawyer, it's not looking good for you. He fired a lawyer to get this lawyer. Which basically means I'm going to need the quote-unquote best of the best for this shit. Because I really got myself in a mess this time, you know. I can't go cheap on this. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good. He'll probably get a slap on the wrist or some shit. Um, it's hard to really like digest all this stuff because again like we are so desensitized and numb to it's like oh yeah he uh did xyz to an underage girl or did something to you know someone part of his record label you know all this stuff and it's just like yeah probably and we just kind of like no one's like actually angry or in awe about it Outside of the people involved. That's the unfortunate part. And all this stuff in the media. It is just. uh, All this stuff is just going to be settled in lawsuits. With large sums of money. And it's just. Then they can't talk about it. And then he's like. I didn't go to jail so I'm innocent. It's like. Then why would you pay someone 8 million dollars. If you were innocent. It's this weird thing you know. That's why it's like. It's hard to get mad about too mad about this stuff because wrongdoing doesn't always get properly punished it just gets properly adjusted to what you can afford to make a means damn that was actually pretty good um (laughs) that's the thing and i hate to be all cliche like money can get you out of a lot of trouble but this p diddy instances is a great example that money can get you out of a lot of trouble. And I mean eventually it will hit a point where it's basically undeniable. Where they'll have to basically just put them in jail. like. But it can get you out of a lot in the meantime. If people accept the amount of money you get for their heart. For their heartbreak or their trauma you put them through. You know. Um. And it's hard to tell someone that don't accept it. It's always going to be these people that are like, oh, well, if it really happened to them, then they shouldn't accept the money and go to court. It's like because $8 million can do a lot for people. And people know that. People with money know that we have value money to such a simple commodity that it would solve a lot of problems. That when all you do is value money, and that's how people are valued in this society, of course people are going to accept the money because... There's no guarantee that they're going to get the actual right justice if they don't accept the money. So, um, I don't know. It it's, is what it is, I guess, you know. I just don't, um, I just don't know what to always do about this stuff, to be honest. Like, you know what's wrong, you know what's right, but the amount of money that could be thrown around and it's unfathomable and like for example if i got xyz right 
don't know. And someone said, here's $8 million. Do you shut up about it? And this person doesn't go to prison about it. The moral may be like, there's no amount of money that could buy me. But at the same time, $8 million could buy a new studio. Um, <laughs> I could pay someone to do these dishes. I could pay. I, don't, I wouldn't have to work, you know. Um, if someone like, you'll never have, I mean, $8 million, I mean, you'd have to really budget it pretty well to make it last your whole life. When you're not working for something, you look at money different. Um, so like, but I wouldn't have to work for quite a while. And that itself would be enticing enough to be like, I wouldn't have to work. I can actually just do shit, have time to do things like that would be pretty fucking great. So if someone offered me eight million bucks, like having someone in prison, but I still have to work twelve hours a day or what? Like I don't know. Like that's a trade off people got to make. You know, that's why it's important to be financially well enough where you don't make decisions based off what you would have to do financially. It's better to make a decision because you're making a decision to. Not do something for financial reasons. It is like I have to do this for money. And we've all been there. We all will have to do that. Where we just have to do things. Stick through some things. Because financially you just can't afford not to. Um, But yeah. I don't know. Alright. I think I'm going to end it there. Uh, I got some shit to do. So yeah. That was episode 260. Four of the Off of You podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most poor ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Yeet, meep, meep, meep. Yep, that's how we do it around here. All right, guys, have a great day, morning, night. Damn, my forearms again. God damn. Looking more defined than a dictionary. Damn, girl, you got a pig? That's a Pictionary. I'm like Drake's dick because it's a dictionary. Oh, damn it. When your girl looks at it, she's addiction to that thing. I still haven't seen Drake's dick, by the way. But everyone calls it a snake. Uh, I think he said in the song, a lot of y'all like snakes in the grass. Well, I think... <laughs> I think he was just talking about himself. Um, <laughs> I, even in the tall grass, you can see my snake. All right. All right, guys. Have a great day. Um, <laughs> uh, I got a pee. Pee's a wheeze. G's a wheeze. I just want to make you sneeze and booies. Uh, Just letting it go to 55. Sugar pie, honey buns. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. All right.